Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. It's great to be with you for episode 34, how to correctly use indefinite pronouns and raise English ACT scores. My goal is to give practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test taking strategies and tips. Often in these episodes, I try to give general ideas and general strategies and scholarships, but also I like to sometimes dive into individual subject areas and give you tips that can help specifically raise scores in those subject areas. Well, indefinite pronouns are used incorrectly all the time. And even though I teach how to use them, I still make mistakes with them. Once you learn these and really understand why you use what you use, then you'll start noticing a lot of people use them incorrectly. You'll hear it on news broadcasts, you'll hear it on the radio, uh, you'll hear your pastors use it incorrectly, you'll hear teachers use it incorrectly. And so today I'm going to explain how to correctly use indefinite pronouns. And I hope you'll stick around for the end of the episode because uh, I'm gonna use an example today that's gonna lead in to something that I share in my workshop when I talk about my family. So if you'll stick around for the end of the episode, uh, I'm going to tell you on this podcast a small part of our family story. So let's get started with indefinite pronouns. There are three types of indefinite pronouns. You have ones that are always plural. You have ones that can be singular and they can be plural. And then you have ones that are always singular. I want to go through all three with you. First, we will start with plural. There are four indefinite pronouns that are always plural. You must memorize several, few, both, and many. Memorize these. Those four are always plural. If you have a plural subject, you must choose a plural verb because you have to have subject-verb agreement. So let's do an example together and talk about why we choose the verb we do. Several go or goes to the game. Now you can choose several go to the game or you can choose several goes to the game. Now in this one, a lot of you are probably thinking, look, this is obvious. I mean, you just go by sound. Well, I'm going to show you in a minute that if you just go by sound, you're going to miss questions on the ACT. Why? Because the people that make the ACT are smart. They're not stupid. They know what sounds good that's wrong. So we need to make sure we know the rules. So we have several go or goes to the game. Now, a verb that ends in S is singular, and that's counterintuitive because you would think if something ends in S, it should be plural. But verbs are different. When a verb ends in S, it is singular. Goes ends in S, that's singular. Well, we said several, few, both, and many are always plural. So I have a plural subject of several. So I'm going to say several go to the game. Next, we have singular and plural, and we want to memorize some, all, most, any, none. Now, there's different ways you can memorize these. I mean, some use acronyms on this. Um, All mans, I've seen. I had uh, one teacher tell me uh, that that's the way she teaches it, which I thought was great. I mean, you you can do it a lot of different ways, but however you want to do it, I don't care. You just got to memorize some, all, most, any and none can be singular and they can be plural. So how would you know which to pick on an ACT? So let's look at this example. Some of the cake was or were eaten. 
You could say some of the cake was eaten, or you can say some of the cake were eaten. Now, some refers to one cake. Some of the cake was eaten. You wouldn't say some of the cake were eaten because some refers to one cake that makes it singular. If you have a singular subject, we choose the verb that ends in S. Some of the cake was eaten. Now, if it would have read some of the cakes, some of the cakes were eaten because now we have more than one cake. So here's the really tough one. Some was or were eaten. You could choose some was eaten or you can choose some were eaten. Now, when I ask this in my workshop, most students will say some were eaten. And again, it's just because it sounds good, but they're both correct because some can be singular and it can be plural. You could say some was eaten. You can also say some were eaten. So how do you know which to pick on the ACT? You must read the passage as you go. If you are skipping from one underline to the next and you see some was or were eaten, you might pick some were eaten because it sounds better. Or you might pick some was eaten because that sounds better. But what if two sentences before it said, for Kat's first birthday, her mother bought her a giant cake. Some was or were eaten. Well, some was eaten. There was one cake. But maybe it said, for Kat's first birthday, her mother bought her two cakes. Some was or were eaten. Then it's some were eaten because there's more than one cake. So read the passage as you go and you have context. Singular. All right, we want to memorize each, either, neither, and every word that ends in thing, one, or body. Words like everything, anything, everyone, anyone, these are always singular. Now, you'll hear these used incorrectly all the time. In the workshop, sometimes I'll say, hey, everybody have, everybody have their backpacks? And the students are always like, yeah, yeah, I got mine. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can't say that. Everybody ends in body. That means it's one. It's singular. Everybody have his or her backpack. A, a pastor might say, everybody turn in their Bibles to the book of Job. You can't say everybody turn in their Bibles because there refers to many. You would have to say everyone turn in his or her Bible. So let's look at a couple examples here besides that. Here we go. Which is correct? Tell me which is correct. Neither brought their ticket to the game or neither brought his or her ticket to the game. Neither is always singular. We must memorize that. Now, here's the great trick that I like to do. Anytime I see each, either, neither, I know they're always singular, which means they are talking about one person. I always replace the words each, either, neither with the word one. Now, I've heard some English teachers teach this where you always put the word one after each, either, neither. They'll say each one, neither one, either one. I like to just eliminate the word neither altogether in this case and just say one. So let's try this now. One brought their ticket to the game or one brought his or her ticket to the game. One is singular. I need a singular reference. One brought his ticket to the game. One brought her ticket to the game. You cannot say one brought there. All right, let's try this one. Neither was going to the game or neither were going to the game. All right, so 
let's eliminate the word neither and put the word one there. Would you say one was going to the game or one were going to the game? One was going to the game. So the answer is neither was going to the game. In my workshop, most students pick neither were going to the game. Now here's a really tough one. Neither of them was going to the game or neither of them were going to the game. Neither of them was going to the game or neither of them were going to the game. In most of my classes, I'll, I'll do a show of hands on this. I'll go, how many of you vote was? Very few, if any, will vote for it. How many vote were? And then hands go up all over. And then I'm always like, and how many of you don't care? And we'll have some hands for that as well. Of them. Now, them is plural. And so because of that, people want to choose were. Neither of them were going to the game. And that's how you hear most people talk when they use a phrase like this. They throw that preposition, prepositional phrase in there. They'll use that, that verb to match the, the object of that prepositional phrase. But neither is still the subject. Of them is not the subject. Neither is a subject. We replace the word neither with the word one. One of them was going to the game. You cannot say one of them were going to the game. So that is the indefinite pronouns that you must have memorized on the ACT if you want to raise your English ACT score. Again, as a quick review, plural, we memorize several, few, both, many. Singular and plural, we memorize some, all, most, any, none. And singular, we memorize each, either, neither, and every word that ends in thing, one, or body. Okay? When my kids were in high school, one thing that I did with them is the week of every national ACT, I quizzed them. I pulled out the workshop packet and we would go item by item, including this one. I would say, hey, tell me the four indefinite pronouns that are always plural. Now, if they couldn't say those, I would mark it and we would go back and practice that or they would. And then I would have the quiz again later in the week because I know that if you don't have them memorized, then you're going to pick what sounds good and you're going to start missing questions. So we must have the content memorized and that is part of what we will do on that last chance workout that we're going to do the Thursday before the national ACT. So I'm going to do with you the same thing that I did with my own kids if you want to join us for that. So you can go to academy.chadcargo.com and sign up for that. And it'll be an online interactive crowdcast session where I'll be on the screen. I can bring you on the screen. Um, we can have, uh, you know, interactive questions going, chat going, the whole works. And I'm going to help you walk through the things you must know and make sure that you're ready to walk into that test Saturday morning and indefinite pronouns will be part of that. All right. Now, at the beginning of the episode, I promised you that I was going to tell you a little bit about our family story. And the reason why I do that is because I use an example in this segment where I said for Kat's first birthday, her mother bought her two cakes. Well, after the English section in my workshop, we take a break, students come back in, and before we do math, I show a picture of my family, and then I tell some stories about my kids before we start the math section. Well, for Kat's first birthday, our mother bought her two cakes is actually a real sentence because my baby girl, Kat Liberty, is 14 months, and at her first birthday party, Shelly made two cakes for Kat. And I want to tell you why we did that and a little bit about her. We've adopted a bunch of kids. I've mentioned that several times on here. I have, uh, I have two biological. Um, one is 21, junior in college, Camden. 
He attends University of Central Oklahoma. My daughter, Casey, 19. She attends Rose State. She's a sophomore. And, um, and so anyway, we had them. And then uh, we started doing some work overseas, realized it was a big world out there, and started the adoption process. And we adopted two from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Clarity and Creed. And then we adopted three from Uganda, Kai, Carly, and Crosby. It was a weird adoption process, five years, three months. And again, through a weird series of events, um, all five kids came home within six weeks of each other. So our family jumped from two kids to seven kids with two that spoke virtually no English and two different languages. So it was a rodeo around here. Well, after they had been home a few years, my wife and I started really discussing what God had for our family. And we had, we had over the years had discussed this crazy idea of embryo adoption. Now, this is going to get a little uh, scientific weirdness here, but stick with me on this. So when families do in vitro, and some of you listening, you may have been through this. And so I, I know this is a, uh, for many, this is a difficult topic, but um, you know, when, when families do in vitro, let's say they take 10 eggs from the mom and they fertilize those 10 and now the mom and dad have 10 children. Yes, they're, they're in the embryo stage, but the mom and dad have 10 children. And let's say that the mom and dad use five of them to build their family. And they say, we're done. That's all the children we wish to have. Well, where did the other five kids go? I mean, they didn't disappear. So where are they? And as many of you know that are listening, they're frozen. So they place them into the cryogenic chamber and the children who are perfectly healthy um, they will be frozen and they will stay there in that perfect state forever until the mom and dad decide what to do with them. So moms and dads pay storage fees each month to keep their kids frozen. And what's happened is this has been going on for 30 plus years now. So there are children who are frozen that are literally over 30 years old. And again, they're perfectly healthy. They're just in that frozen embryo state. There are kids that were frozen when Ronald Reagan was president and they're in cryogenic chambers. It's just kind of mind boggling when you try to process this. Well, there are over 1 million children in the United States right now, I'm told, that are frozen. Well, some parents, you know, I mean, you, you got to pay these storage fees. And some parents have decided that you know, they just can't do that anymore or they, you know, whatever they choose not to. And so if they don't pay the storage fees, then the fertility clinics take the children out of the cryogenic chamber and they dispose of them. And I'm told that over 1.7 million children in the United States have gone that route. Then there are some that actually donate them to science. And I won't go into a, a long discussion on that. I'll just say it, that has a very bad ending. So, uh, Shelly and I have talked about this dilemma for years because when we had our first child, we considered doing in vitro, but this is something we never considered. What would we have done with our leftover children? So over the years, um, we keep going back to this discussion. And after Clarity and Creed and Carly, Kai and Crosby had been home for a few years, we just really were praying, God, what do you have for our family? And so we decided that we wanted to explore embryo adoption. So we drove to Knoxville, Tennessee to the National Embryo Donation Center, NEDC. And I will put a link to that in the show notes if anyone is interested in more information on this. But we drove to the National Embryo Donation Center and there they did tests on my wife 
and they determined at age 45, she was still healthy, able to carry and deliver. And so we decided to adopt frozen embryos. Now I could go through a long discussion with you about what that process is like. And it is crazy because you get these profiles of the parents, you know, everything. And uh, you know, when, when we started this, we told them we didn't want to know anything. We're like, don't, don't tell us, but they had to, there's legal issues on all that. And so we, um, we picked a a profile that had uh, five remaining frozen embryos. And so we decided to adopt them. Now they put three in when we went for the implantation, they put three in and two did not survive, which is, is a very emotional thing to even talk about uh, openly like this on a podcast, but uh, two did not survive, but one did. And God blessed our family with our eighth child, Cat Liberty. And when she was born, uh, literally now, the doctor is holding the bloody newborn. She was just delivered. And I leaned forward and I said, is this the first time you've ever delivered a four-year-old newborn? And the doctor looked up at me and said, what? And I said, "Never mind, keep working. And so she continued. And the next day, The nurse came in and said, what in the world did your husband mean by four-year-old newborn? And my wife explained, Kat was frozen three years. So when Kat was born, she had actually been on the earth four years. So when Kat turned one, we had our first birthday party here. We had two cakes. One cake said happy birthday with one candle and another cake said happy earth day with five candles because when she turned one, really she was five. So it's just a fascinating story that, you know, here's, here's this beautiful baby and really she's been on the earth a long time. The clinic that we used, a 26 year old mom just delivered a 25 year old baby. Pretty fascinating. Uh, This very likely in the next year will be the first time in our country's history, a girl delivers a baby who's actually older than she is. I listened to an interview recently and it was a 21 year old girl And she was holding a newborn and they were frozen the same time. I believe that these two girls were in the same cryogenic chamber. That's just fascinating. One's 21, one's a newborn, and actually they're the same age. And what's even crazier is my baby girl, Kat, has two siblings that are still frozen. Now, I don't know what will happen and I don't know, um, you know, uh, about the adoption of those two. But I do find it interesting that my daughter Casey has a lot of the same feelings we do about adoption. And Casey has said this may be something that she will explore someday. And if so, and Casey decides to adopt Kat's siblings, if she successfully delivers, Casey would be called mom and sister by her baby. Now that would be pretty awesome on Ancestry.com. You check that out. And that, that like family tree would have a loop in it. I would love to see that. How cool would that be? So Anyway, embryo adoption is something that I hope everyone will consider because there are a lot of children that are frozen and there are a lot of parents who are struggling in a massive ethical dilemma. And wow, it it would be amazing to um, serve those families and serve those children. And I hope you will all at least consider it, raise awareness about it, and possibly it would be awesome if any of you adopted one. That would be amazing. And it's the National Embryo Donation Center. If you look that up, it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
and Dr. Keenan does an amazing job of running that clinic. And so if anyone has questions about that, please email me, chad at chadcargill.com. I would love to give you all the information I can, get you in contact with them, and I can answer any questions you might have because I'm a huge advocate for embryo adoption. Often you will see it referred to as snowflake adoption, and certainly it's something that I hope many, many more families will consider. All right, well, that is going to do it for this episode. Now, again, I'll have all this in the show notes, and then I'll also have uh, this posted on the Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page. Feel free to get on that, and you can post any questions there, and uh, uh, I always follow that and make sure that I answer anything. Don't forget, our last chance prep uh, will be in October, and in that prep, we're going to review key content area, ask on ACTs, We're going to make sure that you know your math formulas, your calculator usage. We're going to verify your methods and your timing on how you're going to do the reading test. You're going to be able to ask any last minute questions you might have. I'll be there to answer anything you might have. I'm going to work real hard to reduce your test anxiety. I think that's one of the critical things that we need to do to help students uh, stop underperforming on ACTs. I want to make sure you are confident, you are ready, and we're going to crush some of those last minute weaknesses. So, Anyway, you can get on, again, academy.chadkroger.com, and you'll find it right there. It's the last chance prep, and I hope you'll sign up for that. Uh, This is a great time for you to start practicing. I mean, don't wait till the week of the ACT to start your practice. Start now. If you want to use my prep book to do that, um, you know, don't get overwhelmed. It's a big book, but don't get overwhelmed by it. Just start, you know, a few pages at a time, a few lessons at a time. I just did a great episode on how to effectively practice. You can follow the tips that I gave there, but you can order my prep book on chadcargill.com. They're $25 online. And then you can also get them at the workshop and I discount them to 20 at the workshop. So I've got a lot of classes. I'm uh, recording this actually uh, the night before it goes live. So uh, I'll be, uh, man, I'll be pulling out in a few hours actually to drive to Abilene, Texas. I'll be at Anson High School. And uh, man, Anson High School has a great, uh, played a great role in my adoption story. I'll have to share that sometime on here. But uh, be going to Anson High School and then our Tuttle High School uh, workshop, Tuttle Oklahoma High School workshop on Friday actually got pushed out. Well, that'll do it. I appreciate you listening again this week. I'll be back with you again next week with more tips, tricks, scholarship, info, you name it. I'm looking forward to talking to you again. You guys have a great week. Thank you for listening.